This is the story of a beautiful place known as the happiest place on earth. And all of its history, its secrets, and its tricks that you may find if your mind believes in design. And you allow your heart to believe in magic. Step inside and become a citizen of Disneyland. Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. Bricky here after a little bit of a delay, and I'll explain that. Let's just jump in. Let's just do an episode, me and you, uh, a little update on all of the current events that are happening right now, because there are so many things happening if you're a Disney fan. And it's kind of wild, right? Like the last year, we were looking at every headline, every little announcement, just holding on to hope that we would get to this moment that we're living in. And for some of you, I understand you're not quite living in the moment, but we'll get to that in a minute. I just don't want to be insensitive, insensitive and leave you hanging. But as we're looking at the current events, because today's episode is just all about a catch up and going through some of the current events that are happening right now as a Disney fan, we just sat around months not knowing when we would get that next bit of news, slowly trying to formulate when will the parks reopen, what will it be like when they reopen, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it just started to happen and happen really, really quickly. And friend, I'll be honest with you, there's something about the human nature, there's something about the human experience where we're so adaptive and where that is great for us is that when we hit true adversity, we can adjust to whatever's ahead of us. So if our finances change, we learn how to adjust and live a different lifestyle. If our health, uh, heaven forbid, changes, as humans, we learn a whole different way of living. And it's like, did you wake up today and say, oh, thank God I have my arms? No, you probably didn't. But if you lost your legs today, you would probably wake up tomorrow and go, thank God I have my arms. That's just how the human mind is. We're adaptive. We're cockroaches and we just don't die as a species. And so over the last year, many of us got used to living in a vacuum. We got used to having a Disneyland-less Disneyland lifestyle, if that makes any sense. And this thing that we love so much, that means so much to us, uh, for me personally, it became this reward at the end of the rainbow, right? Not a pot of gold, but getting my part back. Like to me, that was why I doubled down on everything. And of course, there's other things that, you know, my whole life doesn't revolve around Disneyland. I wanted to see my family. I wanted to be able to go out to eat. I wanted to just have peace of mind that I was out in public. I wasn't putting myself or others at danger. But ultimately, if I abbreviate down the struggle of 2020, getting my part back seemed like a reward. Because Disneyland is the cherry on top of my lifestyle. Uh, I get to enjoy the park a lot because I've worked really hard my entire life. I've made really good decisions and learned from all of the bad ones that I've made as well. But I've made really good decisions that have put me in a proximity close to the park. And I don't feel entitled to Disneyland. Like I don't feel like an ownership, like that's mine and I deserve it. I feel that Disneyland is a reward for a life well spent, making lots of decisions, working hard, and getting to a moment where I can enjoy this park so much. So for me, over the last year, as always, it wasn't this entitlement that I felt to 
damn it, open those gates. I want to go in. Who cares about the science? Who cares about public health? I deserve my Disneyland. It was more like, man, I wish that we could all work together. I wish that we could all earn Disneyland together. And when we finally get in there, the world will feel normalized. And there were a lot of different uh, sort of goals that I put out on the horizon, right? Like, well, by the time we get to Beth and I's anniversary in May 2020, we'll be able to go to Palm Springs and life will feel normal. No, that didn't happen. Okay, well, by 4th of July, surely this storm will have passed. Life didn't feel normal. And so on and so on with her birthday, my birthday, Thanksgiving, Halloween, Christmas, like everything that you had out on the horizon when you got there, uh, quite honestly, life was still shit. And, and the hardest part about everything that we just went through is we never knew the end. If the very beginning, uh, this was a brilliant thing that was broken down to me last night by my friend, Mike Hammer over on another podcast I do, Hammer Time. Uh, but he, he said something so brilliant. He's like, at the very beginning of this, if you told us, yo, you got to just sit still for 15, 16 months, you could have handled it. Because you could have managed your expectations of, well, this is how far I have till the end. Like when you're on a flight, you know exactly that you have six hours and 15 minutes till you land. So you go, I'm going to watch a movie. I'll maybe close my eyes, do a little bit of work, catch up on this, you know, look over my plans for my hotel or my family. Like You manage that six hours and 15 minutes so that hopefully it feels like two and a half hours, right? That's how we adapt to time and space and our work schedules and our life schedules. Well, I've only got three days of vacation, so I got to go hard. And the same for Disneyland. When you get through the gate, you realize as soon as you walk in, how many hours you have to spend and you start making decisions based on that. But if you just got dropped off at Disneyland and you may be there for one hour or 10 days, you would have no idea what to do. And for many of us, and I'm talking about me specifically here, not knowing not being in control is a really, really hard part of living my life. So out of all the things that I thought if I could just get to this moment, life would feel somewhat like normal. I have to say Disneyland, the time that they reopened, it was perfect. It was perfect. in it is a moment where life is slowly feeling normal. I was able to go there fully vaccinated, feeling zero fear about being there a little annoyed with the face mask because of the heat. And now knowing that I have the vaccine and that I shouldn't be able to catch anything, but also still willing to wear it for my citizens of Disneyland, for the people around me that maybe for some reason, scientifically or medically can't get it. And a little bit of a chip on my shoulder for those who are deciding not to get it. I would really like to see all of us work together so that this is fully behind us because I don't quite feel like it's over yet, but I also feel like that's a topic for another podcast. And luckily I have so many of those to do, but the reason why I took a little bit of a break from doing the podcast weekly was to simply celebrate the goal that I had worked so hard for. I mean, after all, the reason why the podcast went to weekly was to feel like I was still doing my weekly rips. And when I first started doing it weekly, I hadn't yet built the YouTube channel or the community that I now have that is my prized possession, my prized souvenir from the pandemic. But I wanted to get together weekly. I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to think about it. I designed the episodes where it felt as if we were walking through it and getting to the the finish line made me feel like, 
now's a good time to take a little bit of pause. And also, kind of figure out where does the show go from here? Because Philander Butler, who was a surprise guest, who ended up becoming a reoccurring co-host, his life is really crazy right now. And Philander and I are still talking daily, still hanging out through text message. And nearly every time I go to the park, we find a little moment when he's getting off and, and, and I'm still there for us to hang out and have a great conversation and just stand there and be like, dude, we did it. We, we made it to this end goal. And thank you so much to Philander and his wife for sharing with me their uh, opening day cast member preview. Uh, it was such a great honor to be their family's guest and for Philander to... Um, you know, he didn't have to fulfill anything. He didn't owe me anything, but he had said, man, if I get a cast member preview, Bricky, I'm going to get you in there. I'm going to get you in there because I want to see it through your eyes. Like I want to see how you capture that moment and uh, no pressure there when, you know, the King of Disneyland is telling you, Hey, you go in there and you document it, you record it. But nonetheless, I wanted to take a break to celebrate the victory. And also it's a weird thing because not everyone's back yet. Like, I'm trying to figure out a rhythm for getting Jared back on the show because Jared has taken the global pandemic very, very seriously. Uh, I really respect how he locked down and just said, this is where my comfort is. It may be different for other people, but he has really stood by his mandate, his personal mandate on how to live his life. And so right now, it's a weird moment to... People want to hear a podcast with people that haven't been in there. And if it's all about being in there and you haven't been there, how is the relatability? You know, because when we first went weekly, the one thing that we all had in common for the first time in a long time is we all had an equal amount of Disneyland. Zero. Zed. Nothing. And therefore, that zero-ness, that net sum of no Disneyland for all of us, that was our common bond. But as the park opened, and I was fortunate enough to get in there three days before the grand opening, it already began this shift of the haves and the have-nots. And as we were leading up to the tickets dropping, a lot of stress started to come over people of, well, what if I can't get in there? What if I can't get an opening day ticket? And so we all went from being in the same spot to kind of, in a way, a friendly competition on who can get in there first, who can get their tickets, who's allowed to get in there. So it really became an interesting time to go from all of us on the same page to choose your own adventure or maybe an adventure that had been chosen for you. So it was interesting to take a break because uh, my Disneyland lifestyle definitely went from zero to a thousand miles an hour. It seems like in the blink of an eye. So I thought it was nice to step back, give everything a little room to breathe, figure out how this YouTube thing is going to work now that the parks are still open. Will people still care about my perspective? Or, you know, I, I created a lot of content that was branded around a closed Disneyland. How do I adapt? How do I transform into an open park? Because I had tried a lot of this when the park was actually open and I never really found my community. I never really found my stride. And there was a healthy amount of fear of like, well, maybe I'm the good content creator when the park is absent. Like maybe my creativity shines the most when it's all about creativity. 
in creating things like virtual Disneyland or a podcast where people are walking through Disneyland. And maybe now that it's all about standing next to the click and sandwich, then maybe I don't have a space anymore. And I definitely didn't want to give up the YouTube channel. So I kind of prioritized that, worked on that and just trying to figure out, and I still haven't figured it out where I fit in this new environment, but showing up daily, working really, really, really hard and trying not to get frustrated that it somehow seems I have the lowest numbers, but focusing on, I have a high value of the people that watch my videos. They get it. They understand it. They see it the way that I do. And there seems that there's an appreciation for some content that's different. And the world of algorithms doesn't always celebrate different. It might take me a moment to get there, but I'm committed. I think I have the endurance to make it the rest of the way. fellow citizens of Disneyland. I hope you're enjoying today's solo episode of Disneyland for Designers. And if you're a member of Club 1313, I got a little something that I want to announce right now. A little surprise for the people that make all of this content possible. This Monday at one o'clock, typically when we do the 13th hour, we're going to do a Zoom call just for members of Club 1313 because I know many of you will be out at Avengers Campus this weekend. I know everybody will be so excited to talk about it. So I thought it would be fun to do a members Zoom call, get together, everybody talk about it and provide information to everybody that's going to be coming. So therefore, maybe we'll get the conversation going to where like the first half, we don't give away any of the spoilers, even though I feel this land is kind of hard to spoil, but I just know that you'll be full of excitement. You'll want to talk about it and share it with your fellow citizens of Disneyland. And I know so many more of you are on your way out to the park to experience Avengers Campus. And what better way to understand how to maximize your opportunity for greatness at Avengers Campus than getting all of the intel, downloading all of the intel from your buds over in Club 1313. It'll be happening this Monday at one o'clock for club members only. See you there. June 15th is a date that everybody has circled on their calendar. June 15th is when everyone is back. But I wanted to break down that headline because, yes, June 15th, everyone is back at Disneyland. But that doesn't mean that everything is back to normal. I'm seeing a lot of people over in comments of fellow YouTubers channels and and hearing other people's live streams and, and my own interaction with people when I go live. There's a couple of misconceptions about June 15th. So June 15th, technically Disneyland could go back to full 2019 protocols and operations, right? It could go right back at the snap of a finger to February of July 20th, peak Disneyland. However, Disney seems to move at a different pace. They have a lot of cast members and guests safety that they need to be concerned about. And also they have a major cast member problem in that. Unfortunately, the wage that Disney pays people 
is not the same as what some of these people are allowed to make with unemployment. Now, there's a lot of people that are thinking, well, they should cut the unemployment and they should, you know, people should be going to work and not being rewarded for not working. But what I look at this as is hopefully this is a great lesson for Disney and other mega corporations that bottom line everything and take advantage of the people that work the hardest to build their organizations. Hopefully this lack of staffing that they have that is causing a lot of things to be closed, that is causing food to be a real hassle out the resort. And as they're allowed to bring in more guests, but know that they can't fully service everyone Maybe this will be a learning point that they should match that unemployment wage. And if you're making more money for not working, I'm not going to judge you because I started working for myself the day I realized if I go to my job today, I'm actually losing money because my side hustle is making me more. Anybody who would shame you for going someplace and making less money, they're just not being honest with themselves. Everybody tries to spend a day that gets them the closest to what they need to get by and shame on those that are shaming you for not doing what you need to do for your family. I hope this is a wake up call for some of these corporations that really sort of bottom feed out the people that are building their businesses also they can provide more for their shareholders. So they feel a little less guilty about the big pensions and packages that they take home each year. But June 15th, aside from yes, Technically, Disney could go back to 80,000 people at the park, but they're not going to do that. They're not equipped to do that, and they're going to take their time to get there. So if you think that if you go there on the 14th, you'll see, you know, 20,000 people there, and then the next day, 60,000 more people are going to show up. It's just simply not the case. It's going to be a stair-step protocol to get to the proper amount of people. And if we follow what I'm referring to, is the weirdest of times, yet the best of times, April 30th to June 15th. What we saw in that window is they undersold the grand opening. They undersold that first week, and then they slowly added more and more people into the mix. And they did this, I believe, for a couple of reasons. One, let's just start slow. Let's not bite off more than we can chew and deliver a great experience to everyone. And if we have a couple of problems, we can iron those problems out in front of a few thousand people instead of a few tens of thousands of people. So it seems to me as more and more cast members came back online, as training was brought up to speed and they had more worker power, manpower feels weird. So worker power sounds weird too, but as they had the term that we used to use more manpower, uh, more cast members to bring more services online, we slowly saw more available at the park and we saw the attendance go up. I believe that stair step is going to keep stepping its way into the future. They did go from a 60 day window of being able to buy tickets to, I believe it's now at a 120 day window. So you have so many more dates in the calendar that you can choose from on buying your tickets. And I just believe it'll slowly be working its way back to whatever normal feels like. And speaking of what normal feels like, normal feels like walking around in public without having a piece of cloth over your nose hole and mouth hole. And it's so funny. It's so funny how the mind works. The mask never bothered me in 2020 because it was a symbol of doing the right thing. And it was a symbol 
for caring about you because you were wearing one to care about me. But man, oh man, when you know that you're near the end, when you know that you're vaccinated, and when you know that California is doing so well, it is really hard to enjoy wearing one in the warming up summer days with the humidity, walking around, talking, carrying a camera. Like it is something that I don't enjoy. So I understand everybody's rush to get them off, but I don't believe June 15th, Disneyland is going to announce masks are done. And I've seen a lot of people say, well, I'm, I'm coming back on the 15th when the parks open to people like me that don't live in California and, and, and we don't have to wear a mask. And I can only write back to so many people, but the mask mandate is not going to go away that day at best. At absolutely best, because it seems like Chapix really uh, chomping at the bit to get past this. At best, it would be when you're walking around, but you would still have to wear one every time you go into a shop, every time you go into an indoor queue, which indoor queues will be available, as will restaurants. I mean, basically, the rules are everything will be back to normal. But how equipped is Disneyland to get us back to normal? And the mask becomes a weird thing. I would almost rather it be all or nothing. Because the idea of walking down Main Street and not having to wear one, that sounds attractive to me. But then having to remember to throw it on real quick before I step into Starbucks or before I step into a queue to ride one of my favorite attractions, it's not that that annoys me. It's just I would be afraid that I would, oh, yeah, I got to put that on. Because where I really feel bad in this mask on, mask off version of Walt Disney World are these poor cast members. They took a job, as we already talked about, it's not the top paying profession that you could get into. Seems like most of these people do it for a genuine passion for the parks. But I feel bad for that cast member on the front line, on the front edge, that has to remind me to put a mask back on. Now I'm going to keep mine in my back pocket. Like, oh, oh, sorry. Put it on and now I'm walking into the Haunted Mansion. But for every me and you and eight of our friends, they're like, oh, we're so sorry. We forgot about it. You know, well, let me put it on. There's going to be the uncitizen of Disneyland that's going to use that moment to lecture, to fight with them, to argue with them. And I understand Chapik saying, hey, we want to project that things are back to normal. We want to give people this freedom that they want so badly. But it's all at the cost of that poor frontline cast member who at the end of the day is just trying to get people into the stretching room as quickly and safely as possible. They didn't sign up to be the arbiter of this bullshit that some people have in their minds that is infringing on my rights. Well, maybe so. Maybe let's just say for, for a second, it is infringing on your rights and it is something you shouldn't have to do. How did you get to the member of of the Disney park? How did you get to this cast member? How did you get to this Haunted Mansion worker? How does it end up on their table, right? Like take it up with your, your mayor, your governor, you know, your, your Senator, your, your, your Congress person, like take it up with somebody that has a voting power. Do not dump it on the poor person, not financially poor, but the poor person in this regard that has to deal with this, struggle of society which I don't know why we all can't work together and I don't know why everybody can't be a good sport about it and I don't know why some people can't understand brother that's not the time or place to pick that fight the person you're picking it with is literally 
at the very bottom rung of this decision making. So if you see Chapik out at Target and you want to yell at him, I wouldn't suggest it. I wouldn't do it. I still think it'd be poor taste, but that would be the person that you would talk to versus the man or woman standing there at the edge of the Haunted Mansion. So yes, June 15th, so many of you will be able to come back into the parks and I am excited to see a lot of you show up. I do believe I'm going to attempt to be there on that day just to sort of catch the vibe and and, and see so many people come back home for the first time. But it does not mean that that is the Thanos snap and everything goes back to normal. Not by a long shot. It's still going to be week by week, um, benefit by benefit, that we will slowly earn back. So I know that the people listening to this show are cool. And I know that you're not the people that are going to go up to this, you know, haunted mansion cast member that I'm talking about. And I know that you're not that type of person, because if you were, I would have already ran you off from my content because I don't worry about the huge numbers. I worry about making friends. And if you've made it this far, then we're probably buds, but I bring it up because I know that you can understand what I'm saying on I will keep wearing it all the time not to put that cast member in that horrible situation where somebody who just doesn't get it decides to lose it and lose it on somebody who is clearly not deserving of having it lost on them. April 30th to June 15th, that little window in there, 45 days, give or take, definitely was the weirdest of times, and they definitely were the best of times. The earlier you got into the park, the more you had an advantage to see Disneyland in a way that few people will ever get to, and in a moment that I pray never happens again. It was literally just bizarro Disneyland. And for everything that wasn't there, for everything that had changed, there were just so many experiences that you knew you were living one and done. Sure, you can't go into the blue bayou. Sure, you can't just run randomly walk into a store. And yeah, as the days went on, the lands got more and more full of exterior lines because the attractions could no longer hold us. But for everything that you could complain about, There was these special little moments that felt like gifts, that felt like rewards of being in Toontown, just Mickey and I. Having workers, cast members of the Mark Twain trying to sell me on riding the Mark Twain when they had no idea. Hey, that's my favorite attraction. You don't have to tell me twice. I'm circling back around and I'm going to ride the rudders off that boat when I do. There were just all of these Little moments, and I'm sharing ones that maybe you've seen over on the YouTube channel just so you can kind of be there with me. But I've been blessed over the last nine visits to see the park slowly come back to growing, slowly come back to blooming into 
fullness, you know, feeling more and more like it used to. But all along the way, for everything that we lost, if you looked around, there was something that you had gained. These quiet moments, these personal moments, a bond with people that were there that you knew that they were the hardest of hardcore, and a smile and like a happiness that was contagious that we had all made it through this bizarre, horrible moment in our life and gotten this reward back. April 30th to June 15th, this bizarre window that we're still living inside of. I'm so sad that a lot of you were not able to see it because it was a once in a theme park lifetime to be a part of this version of Disneyland. And all the times that you were there when it was crowded back in the day, it just at moments feels that way. But then you look over someplace else and you realize, no, it's not really as bad as it may seem. Sure, New Orleans Square is flooded with people everywhere, but it's still just about a 30-minute wait time to get on either Pirates or the Mansion. So it was this bizarre time, and we're still in it. You know, we've got Avengers Campus opening up uh, at the end of this week, which is just going to be another bizarre thing that happens in the weirdest of times, but yet the best of times. And I've tried my best to capture it for those of you that I feel bad that can't be here to be a part of it because it truly has been something to see. And I want to take a minute to talk to you about the cast member preview that I'd mentioned earlier that Philander was nice enough. He and Holly had me in as their guests and it was so awesome to be there with them. And we had an amazing lunch and then they would go do their family thing and I'd go do Bricky thing. And then we'd meet back up and we had dinner and there's a photo of Philander and I standing in front of the main street, a train station without a single person in the background. And you can get that photo at, you know, 1230 at night, but you can't normally get it at like 655 in the afternoon or the early evening. And that cast member preview, aside from just being like, oh my God, I'm back inside. Like I'm back inside. Like when I went through the gate, the first thing I did was I built my camera there on the little brick wall in front of the Mickey flower bed. You know, off to the side. I wasn't right in front of the flower bed. I don't want to ruin people's photos. I'm not a jerk. But there was this moment of like, man, I'm back inside. And as I went through the tunnel on the right, the first thing I said was like, oh, the souvenir shop's closed. Well, it reopened when I was there on Memorial Day. But I was like, oh, souvenir shop right on the tunnel on the right is closed. And then I saw, oh, the, the restroom's closed. And then I saw the Mad Hatter was closed. So I was immediately recognizing all these things that felt like fundamentally wrong. But then when I got over onto the long thoroughfare of Main Street, you know, like once I got out of Town Square, I saw the cast members waving at me. And I got that welcoming of being back inside of the park. My whole mindset shifted to not what was closed, what wasn't the same, as before, I started focusing on what felt different, what felt new. And if I can summarize the greatest gift about being one of the first few hundred people to go back in the park three days before it would open to everyone else, is everyone that was there that day, they're either a cast member, like Philander, a cast member, family member, like Holly, 
or they were a friend of a cast member like myself. So the three of us symbolized everybody that was inside the park. And the effect that that gave to Disneyland that day, and it's hard probably to imagine this, but I kept walking around and I kept saying, what is this vibe? Because yeah, there was half of me that was just like shocked to be back inside of the park. But I'll tell you, if you're one of my out-of-state friends, if you haven't made it back yet, you feel shocked for like a second. You know, when you first jump in that pool of cold water, you're like, ooh, it's cold. That's how Disneyland feels. Whoa, I'm back. But then your body adjusts to it. And your mind and your heart adjust to it. Because it's so damn familiar. And you thought about it and you dreamt about it so much. You looked at your old photos. You thought about all the great memories. You listen to a lot of podcasts. You watch a lot of YouTube. You watch a lot of historical footage. And you know it so well that your body gets used to the temperature. And it feels like old hat. But the thing that felt different on the cast member preview, the first day of it, was it felt like I was inside of a company picnic. Right? Like everybody's a co-worker. Everybody's somehow tethered to a co-worker. It was people that love it, that pursue it, that have made it a part of their personal and professional identity. And the way that the cast members, the way that Disney was treating the people in the park that day, it was the most sense of family that I've ever felt. Now, Disney's really, really good at creating community, but this was a feeling of family, the feeling of belonging. And there was a, a bond between them all. And if you were there, you kind of just got that same treatment because, you know, how could you know every cast member? How could you know everybody that works there? But there was just sort of this understanding that everybody there was on that same emotional threshold. Everybody there was feeling that same sense of familiarity. And because everybody there was somehow related on a deeper than just buying a ticket type of relationship with the park, it really felt like being at a company picnic where the bond was much stronger than I could have ever imagined. And in a way, it didn't ruin Friday the 30th for me, the grand reopening. It didn't ruin it at all. But it made me happy that I got to experience it that way, kind of on my own. I did a little short live stream where I surprised everybody. I didn't want to tell people that I was going in there early. Because... One, I thought it would be fun just to surprise everybody, like, hey, I'm back. But two, I wanted to hold on to that commonality with everybody that I was just where you were at. I didn't want to pull out ahead and be like, well, sorry for you guys. You can't get back to the 30th or the 15th, but I'm going to be in there on Tuesday. Like, I just wanted to hold on as long as I could that me and you had the exact same amount of Disneyland, which was net sum zero. I wanted to hold on to that as long as I could. Because there's a certain amount of nostalgia that I already feel for that. And even though I don't want to go back to those times, it doesn't mean I can't remember those as good times. But having that that preview, kind of for myself, 
Even though I filmed my walkthrough, that was a very personal moment. And I've gotten pretty good at forgetting when this microphone's in front of my face or when the camera's in front of me. Like, I've lived my life this way professionally since 2014. I did it for two years as an amateur, wanting to get into doing this. I've been on a stage, you know, ever since I was 15. So I'm used to, like, living and performing as one. But having that day to myself, it fully committed me to sharing the 30th with everyone. And so therefore, when I was doing the all-day live stream, where I did two five-hour live streams with a little bit of a break there in the middle, it didn't feel like a sacrifice because I'd already gotten what I needed on Tuesday. So therefore, I could give Friday to the fans. And you know, when I say fans... I don't think of you as a fan. I never use the words fans or followers. I call you a friend because you are my friend. But I wanted to give Friday to the fans of Disneyland because I don't think people should have fans. People should have friends. The corporations that are personality-less, that aren't a human, they can have fans. I'm a fan of Disneyland. But I'm a friend of... Who am I a friend of? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> who am I a friend of? I mean, I guess it would depend on if they think I'm a friend. But that Friday, because I'd already been able to really soak it in on Tuesday, I was able to like truly create a window into the magic and I felt like man I had already gotten such a premium experience no big deal burning this day and sharing it with you and in fact let's figure out how to make this day as best as possible for you because I had a survivor's guilt you know I lose really really well last place is something that I can just full on embrace well came in last which means there's room to improve. I can do better the next time. This is a lesson that I'll learn for when life hands this card to me again. I'll know how to play it better the second time. But winning, I'm a little uncomfortable with. If I'm in first place, then that means that other people are dealing with losing and I just have this bizarre empathy thing where it doesn't feel good about me. So knowing that I was one of the fortunate people to be in there on the 30th, I'd sort of made a promise to Club 1313 members, like, look, if you guys help me get in there and thank you Daphne Lee for being the one that was able to get in and get me that ticket for the 30th I paid her back I'm never looking for a handout but I am looking for a hand to assist me on getting to where I need to go she was able to get in the virtual queue she grabbed me a ticket for the 30th uh, she grabbed me a ticket for May the 4th she grabbed me a ticket for um, uh, uh, Avengers Campus on the 4th she was able to get me the three dates that I needed and I couldn't you know Venmo her back fast enough, but Daphne Lee's persistence on getting in there and helping me do it. Thank you so much for being a friend. And that's how friendship works. You know, for free, long hours, late nights. I took the drives, I did the edits, I recorded the episodes, I kept everybody feeling like they were still going inside of Disneyland. You didn't owe me anything for doing that. But if you're my friend, you're like, hey, You've done some solids for me. I want to do a solid for you. So Daphne got up that morning. She got into the virtual queue and she was able by luck of the draw by, by the, the goat, the big thunder mountain troll goat. She was able to get in there before me and said, Bricky, I got your three dates. And 
That's the difference in having friends than fans. Fans just adore you, but they don't know you. And so because I felt like over the last year, I got the opportunity to meet so many of you, and I know how far away some of you live, and I know some of the physical, um, we'll say requirements that some of you have to go back to Disneyland. I know that everybody wasn't able to be there on the 30th. I know they sold a limited amount of tickets, which I was surprised it didn't sell out faster than what they did. But I took it on as an obligation to go in there to bring everybody back. And it felt really good. <laughs> it felt really good to be there with you all. And in fact, I've gotten so used to walking around and talking into that camera that I look at other people doing it, I'm like, what's the matter with that guy? But when I'm doing it, it's just like the world blurs and you're standing right there next to me and damn if we're not having a great time. So definitely those two dates the cast member preview thank you for Lander. opening day thank you Daphne Lee those two dates that were made better by friends those two dates that I got to share with you my friends you know it's just the way that it worked that everybody couldn't enjoy those days I feel beyond blessed that I did and I feel an extra level of blessed that I was able to share it with you and hopefully make sure that you felt like you had the opportunity to be part of that magical moment in Disneyland's history. Friends, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. This is where I'm going to transition into doing some bonus content for my members of Club 1313. If you want to be a part of the community, if you want to be a part of the conversation, please head over to club1313.com. Sign up today. Um, It's going really, really well. This Discord, this community, I mean, we are so close. We just had one of our meetups for the uh, club and founder level members. We have so much fun stuff that we're going to be doing this summer. And if you're just looking for a place where nobody will ever judge you for wanting to talk about Disneyland because we're always ready to talk about it, we're always ready to share it, uh, please consider signing up today. Not only will you be rewarded by meeting so many fantastic Disneyland friends, but you'll know that you're helping make this podcast come out weekly and that the YouTube channel is putting out content daily. You'll also be able to do some of our meetups, but I think that the real value isn't necessarily what I provide, but it's the community that this content has gathered up together. So let's start our bonus content right now. I got a couple more of these little current events slash talking points that I want to share with members over at club1313.com. So friends, here's the big announcement. I have officially thrown my name in the hat. Well, more so than the hat. I have procured a ticket for Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary. Friday, October 1, I will be standing inside of Roy's unoriginal Magic Kingdom. I will be there to celebrate 50 years of Walt Disney World. And in fact, I will be there that entire week leading up to that moment where I'm able to discover all four of those parks. Now, I haven't been to Walt Disney World. This is a this is an interesting fun fact that I was thinking about. I was trying to think about, my mom took me there when I was a child. That's a whole other story. And then I went with friends as a young 
early 20-something. And then I went with a girl as a mid-20-something. And I was trying to think about the last time I was at the Magic Kingdom in Orlando, Florida. And when I realized, when I put two and two together, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. The last time I was there, the castle was decorated like candy, which means I somehow randomly wandered into the 25th anniversary, and now I'm wandering in to the 50th anniversary with like a solid, what, 25 years in between? I think the can- I think the candy castle was the 25th. It might have been the 30th. Maybe it's been 20 years since that happened, but it could easily have been 25 years because, uh, you know, I'm old. So anyways, I will be there. And I'm so excited to start this new chapter uh, as a fan and as a content creator. I have decided to take all of this really, really serious and, and really dedicate myself to making the content. And that is made so possible by each and every one of you. You know, the membership that you pay, um, it helps me justify spending more money, more time and in investing in this content. And I talked with Beth and, and I looked at, you know, the finances and the way things are going. And I just said, you know, I think that I need to go out to Florida twice a year. I think I need to get a rhythm of going in the fall and going in the spring to just get out there, to cover it, to experience it, to see the way that it's growing, you know, to apply my Disneyland knowledge to that park and also to have a better view of what we have here at home. So my first East Coast trip will be happening Um at the end of September and the grand finale will be, I'm going to be there for that opening day and then dip back out because man, oh man, is it booked out there for that opening. But there was an article that got passed my way from club 1313 founding member, Tony Mendez, um, everybody's favorite funny guy in the discord. And um, Tony put this article over from Walt Disney world news today. Uh, from the the main dude Tom, who runs that website, who has you know rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Now, first off, disclaimer: I absolutely love Walt Disney World News Today. Uh, my preference is Mice Chat. I really like reading Mice Chat every day. I'm a big fan of Dusty Sage. I want to get him on the podcast. I want to do an interview with him uh, as a citizen of Disneyland. I would really love to somehow be featured over on mice chat. I feel like if we could get their audience to find us, it would really make things take off, but you know, baby steps will get there. But I really enjoy dusty sages view of how to cover the parks. And I like that they put up a nice detailed article, maybe a lot of advertising that will crash your browser and it can be a little frustrating, but as long as they're making money, I'm willing to wait for those images to load up because they really provide a tremendous service. And I found a lot of inspiration from them. But Tony, he's like, oh, yeah, he's like, you know, I, I look at them, but I, I, I look at Walt Disney World News today all day long. And then I started to realize just how dominant Walt Disney World WDWNT was that they just drop stuff every single day. Like, I mean, just all day long, you know, it just boom, 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 boom. So, you know, whenever I have a moment to catch up, I love refreshing the feed and I love seeing all the different you know, things that have happened. And most of it's the parks that I don't go to, but I've now come to understand those parks and have an appreciation for them because it's, I have like a constant drip of what's happening out there, which to me is just absolutely like fascinating. But Tom did put up an article talking about the 50th anniversary, really critiquing the first like 30 second spot that went out. 
And to summarize his viewpoint, is he was like, well, you know, this commercial is all about the movies and not about the parks. And as somebody who doesn't really, you know, participate or, you know, consume the movies, I do have a park forward mentality. I love my relationship with the parks and I don't need the movies to to change it in any way. So that that I agreed upon. And then he started talking about how, you know, there wasn't any nostalgia. And that I agreed upon. You know, nostalgia is relatively cheap. <laughs> when you look at Disneyland and Walt Disney World, like we all have memories that tether us to these places and it doesn't cost a lot of money and an off cycle year to create more nostalgia. The nostalgia can just be painting all of the original attractions gold or hanging a ribbon out front. Like it doesn't take a lot to move the needle with us emotionally because this is our emotional spot. So I agreed with him on that too. But maybe it's my lack of reading comprehension or my lack of just like caring about things that I don't care about. A lot of people over in the Discord kind of, you know, were giving the article a rough way to go because they felt like it was being a little entitled. And then on a second reading, I did realize there was a level of entitlement in there of like, hey, why aren't they doing more for the 50th? Why aren't they doing more? They've had time to plan for it. I was like, you know, somebody at his level, I would expect a little bit more from than like an uneducated fan who goes, I don't understand why they didn't rebuild Tomorrowland. I mean, the park was closed with nobody in it for 18 months. It's like, yeah, well, you clearly don't understand how the world works. You have a very abstract relationship with money and business. And I don't even know how to respond to you because you're just like a dumb fan. And one of the greatest things about being a fan is you can be as informed or as dumb as you want to be. But if you like set yourself up to be an expert on all things Walt Disney World, and you just kind of throw out this, like, well, what are they really doing? What are they really getting done?